Welcome to All The Things Podcast with Tutter and Laz. Here, we aim to normalise all the things, especially when they're deemed taboo. Please note, we record remotely, so audio quality may vary. A quick disclaimer before we start, all views and opinions shared here are our own and not on behalf of anyone else. The content is reflective of our own experiences being mixed-race Polynesian and white and Polynesian and African-American women living in Australia. So pull up, grab a bevy, and let's chat about all the things. Hey, welcome back to AT&T. It's your girl, Lauren. Um, You're one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Talia, aka Tutter. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're back. Um, episode what number? Fifteen. 15. This is the last of our little season, and then we're gonna be on a break. Yes, for a couple of months, and we'll come back. Yes, the reason for our break is well, it's coming to the end of the year, but specifically, we've got a lot going on. Um, I know for me. November is actually the most manic month, but I'm also preparing to move, so that's pretty. Yeah, move. We've got Christmas, Mm -hmm. work, too many birthdays. Yeah, all the things. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Sorry, it's a good time to end. Um, Plus, we want to come back next season with more. We want to come back with, you know, new artwork. We want to come back with the YouTube, YouTube channel, the visuals. We got you guys. Thanks for being loyal for season one. Yeah. With all the learnings. <laughs> yeah. So we was, this last episode was supposed to be on fat phobia and we're going to have my girl Minna on, mm-hmm. but as it happens, life does happen. And so those that fell through, but we are still going to have her on just, um, for At a later next stage. time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So now we're on here. And we ready to finish the season strong. Yeah. So it's been it's been like a couple it's of been four weeks. Gosh, it's been four weeks. Yeah, because we Damn. had school holidays, so that was quite manic with the kids. And then yeah, we had the intentions to record and unfortunately that fell through, but that which is okay. And then um I got sick. So we couldn't record last week. Oh yeah. And no, yesterday. 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 What happened last week? And I just couldn't get there. I was really busy at work. I'm really busy at work. It's crazy. Um, so, anywho. So, what are we talking about today, So, a few things have happened in the last past four weeks. Actually, so many things have happened. So, I, I'm not going to bring up everything. Like, we've got the U.S. elections happening, which Ooh. is all-consuming for our U.S. brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You've got all consuming um, for my mum and the aunties on their <laughs> video chats talking about politics. Also, I hear those conversations. Well, we do have two of our aunties are US based, mm-hmm. um, and then we do have a lot of family in the US, so it does yeah. affect. But you know what I love? Sorry, I've got to say when I hear my mum on the phone with the sisters that are in America mm-hmm. and the rest of their siblings that are here, and my mum's talking about American politics like she'd be knowing. And my mum knows stuff, but <laughs> it's questionable. And I hear her, and she's like, no, you should look up this on the, I'll send you a link, don't worry. And I'm like, oh gosh, not the links. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like our parents' generation gets sucked into a lot of the fake news that's on Facebook, mm-hmm. like their Facebook generation. Yeah. 
and like my mom will like share like the craziest stuff on Facebook and I'm like no mom like you have to fact check that shit it's crazy um so I mean they've got their own little thing but you've got some people who are predominant black uh celebrities who have come forward and professed their support or their vote for Trump. So you've got Ice Cube. Apparently he came forward and said he's going to be voting Trump. Yeah. Which totally shocked me and threw me back. Yeah. I'm like, what? Ice Cube? Um, and then you've got 50 Cent who has come forward and said he's going to vote for Trump. He's in a high tax bracket. He doesn't want to change his name to 20 Cent. So therefore, <laughs> he's voting Trump. So... You've got obviously he had a lot of backlash. Um, there are a lot of celebrities that back Trump, though. This who isn't... openly? I don't know of them. Oh, sorry, I'm not speaking just about black celebrities. There's just in general, there's so many celebrities that are like pro-Trump. But to who? Be honest, I don't know they a don't lot about politics forward. at all, especially well as American politics at all. I just know what I see, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Really, um, I know, I just know that a lot of celebrities, if they are if they are Republican or if they are the back Trump, they don't speak about it openly because of the backlash. Well, yeah, it can fully affect their everything, their career. Like people, they have to be likable to people so they can go watch their movies. They can, you know, support their music. And so when they come forward with such a bold statement as supporting someone like Trump, it can really negatively affect you. Look at Michelle Crissette. <laughs> she lost her whole fucking career. I don't know who that is. Oh, my God. She's the black singer who sang... She sung at um, uh, Trump's inauguration and everyone was just like, you fucking sell out. Oh, maybe I know her face. And I don't know my name. Her excuse is like, she was like, no... I'm trying to do this to bridge the gap, basically, like, bring everyone together. And everyone's like, nah, you shouldn't have done it. Like, you should not have done it. And so she basically, yeah. I have think any, still she's trying to recover, and it's been, what, four years? Four years. Have any celebrities come out and openly said, come on, we really did want Kanye? <laughs> Kanye is ridiculous. Um, the whole American American politics is just crazy, like... It's literally comedy. It's literally, you know, the movie The Election with um, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Yeah. It's like you're watching that, <laughs> but it's like it's like satire and parody all in all real life. Day. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, anyway, so yeah, you've got those people. Um, what else has happened? Oh, I watched Paris Hilton's documentary um, What's that on, on YouTube. Uh, you She's, and your YouTube. Well, no, it was a huge thing. So she had her documentary come out, and it was about, she talked about her um, abuse as a child. Oh, um, was it a good watch? Did you not hear anything about Paris Hilton's to be honest, documentary? I have not been on the nose. Okay, so she had a documentary that she released about two weeks ago, I would say, or two or three weeks ago. Um, and she, it was like everywhere, everyone was talking about this abuse and I was like, oh, I'm like piqued my interest. And so then I realized it was on YouTube and I'm like, oh, well it's easy watch. Um, <laughs> so it's about just over an hour and it was so interesting. Like I'm no fan of Paris Hilton, but like you watch it and I really felt like, um, even now I feel like, oh my God. It really humanized her and made you want to be friends with her. Mm. It made me want to be friends with her so that she could just have one real friend. Yeah. Like, it's really sad to see, like, even her sister. Her sister's talking in the documentary. What's her and name? she's Nikki, like, Nikki Hilton. Hilton. She's like, yeah, I'm the closest to Paris. Like, 
us to I know the be- I know better than everyone. But even her, she has the inability to see what her sister's gone through and see that her sister's so lonely. Yeah. And so even the things that her sister says when she says things like, "Did you say sorry to mom and dad?" I was like, it, I was mind blown because I was like. She shouldn't be saying her her mom, who I think is a little bit of a narcissist, and hence why this all happened with Paris, still didn't say sorry to Paris. Even in that whole thing where Paris said, "Yeah, mom, this happened to me," her mom was just like, "You know that if we knew, we wouldn't have let that happen." But I was like, "No, you." In that instant, you should have said, "Paris, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Yeah. I'm so sorry." But there's no empathy, there's... no compassion. I don't think so. I think there's more, like, embarrassment for the mum. She's trying to save Faith. I don't know. The whole thing, I was just felt, oh, like, my heart was breaking for Paris. And it made you feel like, oh, this is why you do the things you do. And shit, that girl just needs a good friend, man. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, she said that the closest people to her are her fans. And I'm like, but her fans... Oh, those aren't real people, though. Well, that's right. They are real people, but that's... Yeah, she knows that. And she's like, yeah, I can't really get much from them, but I know that they love me. And I um, I love them for that. Love. Wow. Um, it's really What's it called? Sad. Is it just Paris Hilton documentary or does it have a title? I have no idea what it's called. But if you just put, like, just Google it, it'll come up. Okay. Um, oh, so, Paris. yeah. I really loved, I'm not going to lie, because I was teenagering when Paris Hilton and... Um, Nicole Richie had come out with, what is it? The Simple Life. The Simple Life, yeah. And that's what, can I tell you, where I fell in love with Nicole Richie because she was hilarious back then. Um, But I think things like that where people take the time to actually hear and see and listen to the backstory of celebrities is always helpful so that they, like you said, can be humanised. And that's Mm -hmm. where people kind of forget, based on celebrity, that these people are real people with real emotions with real life experiences and they've been exposed to a lot more than what sometimes we can even fathom Mm. which is you know i don't know it's dangerous i don't know i think a lot of the time um celebrities are just waste people (laughs) they're just waste people um just waste wasses like what's wasses just waste 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 yeah, wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. But Paris really like it shocked me. She has a lot of depth, and it's just so her life is sad. Oh, money does not mean shit if you can't if you haven't got anyone close around you. It's crazy. But yeah, and then that's it, really. Cardi B, she filed for divorce, and now she's back with um, Offset. Another way. Oh, that's right. Because in the last episode, we were saying that she had left him. And so that's done a 180, staying yeah, with him. they're back together again. Oh, well, if it makes her happy, good for you. If it makes you happy. Yeah, so they're back together, Cray. Um, yeah, and anyway, I just saw today one last thing before we move on. Yaya Mayweather, so this is uh, Floyd Mayweather's daughter. I think she's a teen. I, I have uh, could be wrong, but I feel like she's about 17. 18 could be older could be younger i don't know um but she came forward and said something along the lines of a real man buys you a birkin bag and then she um made comments as to say um as to say 
all these celebrities coming out on on IG with their Birkin bags. Um, half of these have to be fake because coming from someone who you know like has many a Birkin bag, um, I know that you can't just walk into a store and buy them. So um, some of these have to be fake. So basically, I think she alluded to Offset because Offset had just recently bought Cardi Hi. a bunch of Birkins. And um and so then he retaliated with um not to her but just generally with his receipt his Birkin receipt um, <laughs> that was Hermes, to her. <laughs> his Hermes receipt um or Hermes or whatever it's called I don't know Hermes. they're going to be buying that um and then yeah so then she retaliated and she was like blah 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 I don't know anyway <sighs> to be seventeen year old and trying to trying to um. I don't, well, not trying to, but likely gaslighting. <laughs> I'm like, that's bold. But, it's just dumb. But First why, of all, why do you have that mentality that a real man has? It's oh, there's too much to that. So then this is not even because she's Mayweather's daughter. And Mayweather is fucked up when it comes to <laughs> money. But this, you can see how this has. Uh, what, what do you call it? Like it's trickled down, not just by celebrity, but everyday people. Believing that, you know, a person's um, value or a person's ability to show love is very much determined on how much they open, like how much they rip out of their wallet. That's so evident in relationships with like youth, with young adults. I don't consider myself a young adult anymore because it's like, oh no, they drive this car or, oh no, but they've got this brand. And that's all based on this mentality that value comes off yeah i think it's a bit crazy but she but yaya is the daughter of floyd mayweather and he is all about money i've seen Um, some of his clips where he goes into stores and he's just got like duffel bags filled with cash yeah he's why for yeah so like obviously she has a bit of a skewed um perception of of like money and its value and like what it means and success and all that kind of stuff, which is crazy. But anyway, so that's the that's the only tea that I have. There's way more other tea, but like, who's got time for it? You know, mm. four weeks is a lot. Can you stop holding hands with your feet? <laughs> <laughs> holding hands with my feet. Um. So yeah. So that's the deal. Okay. Well, I don't have anything to add to hot topics or to the tea, as per usual. Um. But that's because I've been trying to go to bed really early. And that's normally when I spend my time on my phone. I have made, actually, that's, it's something that I can't, I don't feel bad about. I've tried to make a more conscious effort to not look at my phone first thing in the morning. And by conscious, I mean it's only been in the last three days. <laughs> um, because I don't know about you, but I find my, I found myself at one point, as soon as I woke up in the morning, the first thing I grab my phone and I just start scrolling. I was like, oh, yeah. this is no, this is no, 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 not good. What, what do you do alternatively? Now? Yeah. I get up and I go and greet my kids a good morning and I wake them up rather than wait for them to wake up and come and see me. Oh. So I was like, good morning. And yeah, well, I went downstairs and I, I just started my morning routine earlier mm. rather than sitting in bed and scrolling. Um, good for you. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it, and I, Today, I really felt it. I was just like, oh, this feels so good. I think the first time I opened my socials was at, like, lunchtime. I was like, oh, not me going. Yeah. <sighs> I'm hardly on. No, that's a lie. But anyway, in the mornings, I've been going to the gym for the past five weeks now. Get it. 
UFC, right? Every morning, yeah, UFC. Yeah. yeah. Is this a bruise from UFC? Battle no. scar? No, I don't think so. Just a bruise. Are you enjoying the classes? Um, yeah, it's really good because so you know when you're younger. Well, for me, I could just go to the gym, and I used to go to the gym just all the time after work. It was not a thing. You don't have any kids to worry about, blah, blah, blah. And so I would just go and I'd beast out. Like I literally would push myself to the point of exhaustion. And I realized that I don't have that in me anymore. I don't know. My fitness level isn't there and I don't have the drive to just keep on going. Mm. And I'm like, wow, I really like, I guess it's with age, but I just, I don't have it. So now I need classes so that I can go and not just a personal trainer. Like I had Mina personal training me for a bit, but that was such a long drive and it got a bit hard to do. So classes are really good because you go there, they like do everything. So it's been good, but my diet, bitch, (laughs) I, it's my diet. I need to change my diet up because the way, dude, I, I saw his really, I think I put on about, about seven or eight kilos. And so it, I didn't realize until about, yeah, about five weeks ago when I went to put on my jeans that I always can fit. Even if I put on a bit of weight, I can still fit and they'll just be a bit tight. Yeah. These could not go up onto my legs. And I was like, wow, Lauren, what have you done? Yeah. What have you done, bitch? It's kind of like the pattern for everyone. Everyone that I've spoken to, everyone's like, oh, isolation got me good. Um, I think after I had Judah, I think the first two weeks I could tell that I'd lost a bit, like a, like a, a bit of weight from breastfeeding. And then once I was home, I stacked on the weight. Because I was just at home, eating, homeschooling. Yeah. And I think altogether, I probably put on about 12 to 13 kilos. Yeah. Which is a lot. And, and so that, people were like, you just had a baby. I was like, mm, no, I actually put this on yeah, after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel, you, I feel you on the diet. Like, I, so I haven't been able to train fully. Like, when I was back at um, F45, I was going, you know, three to four days a week. <clears throat> And in the last three weeks, I haven't been able to go. I think I've gone maybe twice max a week mm-hmm. because my back, like the nerve issue that I've got in my back has really been jacking me up. So I think I've had no choice but to look at my diet and my nutrition. Can um, you walk? Yeah, I can walk. I, I can move, but I have to fully, it's got to be all low impact mm. um, because the, you know, the I guess cardio like jumping up and down it's a little bit too much impact on my back so yeah i just had to take it steady but yeah i've had to look at um what i'm eating so well it's fun. i have a lot of day ones like you mentioned yeah. but today is day one of my 30 day to healthy living it's like kind of like a gut reset so i'm yeah today's been pretty good i think my energy's still pretty high um i went to the gym today as well it was a cardio day but i did mostly low impact so here's the next 30 days. Let's, yeah, man. let's just um, keep the momentum going. I'm giving going. myself eight weeks as of this week to really, like, lose weight. So I'm going to try and just watch my diet and, um, and yeah, fucking make changes, mate, because... But this is, like, why I was talking... We wanted to talk about fat phobia because I'm trying to change my mentality on... Um, taking away the disgust I feel at my body being bigger mm-hmm. and focus refocus it to be more about health. Well, yeah, it's like 50-50, but I still will look in the mirror and be like, oh, 
like yeah. oh my god this like this fat this tummy this 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 yeah. this that instead of just being like bitch like this is life and mm. why do we have this disdain for bigger bodies like yeah. it's actually crazy on a really deep um subconscious level that mm-hmm. has been conditioned from day dot yeah that is really hard to break you have to mm. consciously every day think like un learn the way you think yeah you got to rewire that part of your brain that says that you've been taught to think that way which is hard given you know 30 plus years later here we are being like okay how do i consciously do this because i so and we'll talk about it when we have that episode but i hear so many people being like i've got no issue with like with people that are overweight yeah but then when it comes to ourselves we're just like oh i put on so much weight it's like well why you know, why is that I've the double said this myself. I'm to like, oh, um, you know, I love big girls on my thing. They're so, to me, they're just sexy girls. Um, but then I will say to myself, like, I just don't suit it. And I've said that to myself before, like, yeah, I love that. But I, for me, I just don't suit it. So I need to lose weight. I've said that like, to John. And I'm like, whoa. I said that to John Why? recently. I was like, you know how some people suit being, like having but more meat But it's all in on our their mind. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't suit that. And I was like, clothes don't, I don't, I don't personally like how clothes fit on my body when I'm carrying extra weight. And so I was like, yeah, really, it's really, really It's hard. really hard to unpack. Yes, it is. You have to, yeah, big effort. But anyway, so. That's for another that. episode. Yeah. And today we're talking about. That was a really poor drum roll. Yeah, well, after the break, we'll be talking about um, postnatal, everything postnatal. Because. Mum shame. Yeah, we'll get into it after the break. Let's go to break because. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Hello, we are back. Okay, so, yeah, as we mentioned just before the ad break, we're going to be talking. Um, postnatal depression, mum shame, mum mentalities, all things, all things feels for the mummers. Yeah. Um, and you so, know what? If you're a male that tunes in, if you're a dad or if you're just a dude, it's probably really helpful that you just stay listening in. This could be your mum, your sister, your cousins, your partner. Yeah. Stay in the loop. So I don't know how this popped up on in my mind, but a couple of weeks ago I put up on our um, ATT account. Uh, well, actually I put up on my personal account like a question asking um, mothers. What was my question? Um, mother, last thing you want to I basically asked, we want to know how you felt after um, newly giving birth. Um, Were you okay? Was it just me or was anyone else feeling overwhelmed with all the newborn visitors? Um, And I put this question out there just asking anybody because, yeah, that's right, because I saw this post and it was just a post of this lady and she's like naked holding a baby in like a carrier uh, looking like disheveled and she just said, please text text before stopping by and it just made me laugh and made me think of like newborn days and I myself am naturally um like a um introvert so for me always having people over was a lot of exerting energy for me and then 
on top of that, you had like a whole life change. And for me, it was a struggle. Like I really struggled in the beginning to adjust to being sleep deprived and managing my anxiety when it came to like having a newborn baby and then just always having the constant um, stream of people. Now, granted, I want to say like, I love the love and I know that everyone who stopped by was just coming out of love, out of want to showing their, you know, support and wanting to see, you know, your newborn baby and welcome him. Um, and so there was that, like, I totally am fine with that. But coming from a different perspective, like how I was feeling at the time, I would have loved to have just at least like six weeks of just nobody where I could just adjust because mm. that's just how I am. Like I would prefer to re um, connect and re-energize myself alone in solitude. Yeah. I think it's definitely, um, it's certainly individual. So basically you're saying that your question was, did anyone else feel overwhelmed with the, everyone wanting to come and visit baby or were you like, yep, come on the over. newborn was, visitors. Yeah. And what was the, um, well, response? the results were overwhelmingly. Yes, I was overwhelmed and mm. it was annoying. So my, the, it was, yeah, was low-key annoyed. And then the other one was, no, I loved it. And you only had 22% of those responses was no. Um, the rest was overwhelmingly yes. And then I even had girls um, messaging me saying, yeah, like telling me their little struggle. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, my my um, question was specifically drop-in visitors, like visitors that just dropped through to see the baby instead of yeah. like letting you know which would what do you be... mean even not having a baby i think i struggle with the <laughs> drop-ins it's not that i don't love it because again i know that the intention comes from a place of love and care care like factor and you know as a like our church we have this thing called ministry and it's where people you know uh specifically um i guess delegated people to check in on check that they hmm. you know welfare wise they're okay they don't need anything uh, and that comes part and parcel with the drop-ins. But there are the, you know, occasions where I'm like, oh, I just wasn't prepared and I've got a lot going on. I've got things with the kids. I'm on my way out. Um, mm. So, yeah, the drop-in ones without any, like, prior notice is hard. But even the ones with notice, sometimes you've got people that are so keen to see the baby mm. that I can see why some mums would be like, it, well, it would be difficult to say no. You can't um, say no because you have no excuse to be like, oh, I'm not going to be home. Everyone knows you're going to be home. You just had a baby. <laughs> and so it's like there is no um, avenue, even when people are like, oh, can I, can I come over and see the baby at this time? You're kind of like, sure, because there's no way of you to say no politely. I've said so, no politely plenty of times with Judah. I also could yeah, have leaned on Corona. Yeah, but you were in Corona time. So no, you but, justified... but that's not what I used it for. I didn't, I didn't say no. I remember you did use it a lot. Corona. I remember you were saying, no, it's Corona. You make make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you no, that's have just a shower. Normal. When I had Isla, everyone had to sanitize and wash their hands before they touched her. With Isla, I was I was definitely like, yeah, the more the merrier. Come and see her. With Ari, that was such a hectic time. It was I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I had to go with the flow. I don't even remember that time as clearly because I had postnatal. Um, but with Judah, there were definitely times where I was like, oh, given the current climate, no, I'd prefer that people... Yeah, come given the current but, climate. But in other circumstances, I said, oh, look, he's preemie, which is true. Mm. I was like, look, given that Judah's five weeks early, we're actually asking people not to come and visit until he's at least of his, like, his 
40 week age yeah so i didn't use corona as an excuse i used it as we're just being mindful yeah. but other times i said well no he's actually really little yeah. his immune system hasn't had the time to develop so we're, we would prefer that people not come and visit this time and i said but i'll let you know when we're ready to take visitors yeah. so but there are of... ways to do that but some people don't have the confidence no, to they do don't. that and i wouldn't have i didn't yeah. have that um because so first time mums especially where i'm third time around i'm like nah thanks though but, and not even just that like i just moved back from overseas well no i'd been back for half of my pregnancy but i hadn't seen a lot of people still and i felt like i felt like i had to like i had no room to say no to people mm-hmm. um but yeah it brings me back to my girlfriend was telling me um shout out elva she was saying in spain um this the tradition there you do not go see a newborn mother like a mother who's just had a newborn for six weeks you allow them that time so they can adjust they can get they can get rest they can get um adjusted with their baby and then after the six week period then you're able to go um see the baby and i was like oh my god i love that tradition yeah we've got a serbian we got serbian um yeah serbian family friends and they don't go anywhere for at least five weeks they don't leave their home the baby stays at home they don't allow visitors to come in same thing yeah um they also have other traditions, like by way of protecting the baby. Um, they have like these little bracelets that they wear. It's really cute. Um, it is, I think it is definitely an individual thing, but I think people need to be conscious and uh, observant enough to be able to discern whether or not them going to visit a mum is going to be overwhelming or not. Because like, I remember when you had Chima, I didn't get to meet Chima for three weeks because I had tonsillitis. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, I can't come and visit him. I have tonsillitis. And I remember having total FOMO. And looking back now, that's probably worked in your favor because I've been like, can I come and see him? <laughs> um, no, you're different because you're you. Like, I don't <laughs> have to get dressed up or, like, yeah. be a host. Yeah. Um, so is that But at the same time, it... you were – I do remember you were, like, coughing. You're like, no, girl, it's fine. It's just a cough now. And I was like – Bitch, sure yeah. and but I remember saying to you, what? Why would I prioritize coming to? Why would I prioritize my own feelings and risk making him sick if I didn't think that I was okay? Yeah, you know that's I mean? why you. Um, that's why I waited. Um, yeah. But so, like, I think as visitors or like family and friends, it would do you good to really check in with mum's well-being and be like, hey, are you okay to have visitors? Because But even not, that, okay. this is what I'm saying, even that, because people were doing that to me. They were saying, Lauren, is it okay if I come? And I was never going to say no to them. I was never going to say no. I just didn't feel like it was my place to say no to these people. And I was like, and I didn't feel So where's I the happy medium then? Because people are trying to be well, sensitive just, to your just feelings. Just wait. <laughs> Okay. Just wait, like, what? Can we not bring in the tradition? <laughs> can we not bring the six week tradition? But that's, so that's what I mean. It's individual. Because some people, like, for instance, I think of Christy. I yeah. think of Christy in Melbourne, who unfortunately has had her baby during Corona. Her son is a month younger than Judah, so he's seven months old, and he has not met any of her family. Yeah, but that's Do you know been, what I mean? But, yes. but that wasn't the first little window. No, but she would have been... That's what I'm saying. It's individual. Hmm. There are some mums that would be happy to have everyone or a handful of people come and visit them, Yeah, and there are some mums like yourself... But the results that, were indicative of most mums being totally overwhelmed. Yeah, but you take that window of people and then you enlarge it, and you've still probably got a high percentage yeah. of people that want visitors. So... 
I think it's really interesting. But I but think... can we normalize people just giving people fucking space? Yeah, I think that's also to be said that can we normalize people feeling confident enough to protect their space and say, I really don't want to hurt your feelings, but mm. I would much prefer that you don't come. Yeah. Um, because then we have to normalize people not getting offended and being like, you know what, I do respect your space. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tricky one. But True. you know, I do wish I had the guts to be like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Like, can you um, yeah. just give me time? Because I actually didn't feel comfortable with my newborn until at least like seven weeks, because that's when I remember he then was easier to breastfeed and mm. I didn't like have that crazy anxiety when I heard him cry and things like that like I was just yeah when I look back when I think back of me in those early days man I was just a crazy bashy person like my hair was insane not, not that that's changed <laughs> but like I just remember yelling I remember yelling one day at Liana and my younger sister for, I don't think it was for any particular reason, but I just lost my shit. Emotions were um, high. Maybe. Like, I just remember her looking at me like, oh, I don't know what to do. And, um, yeah. I have to say, I'm actually really glad that we're talking about this because I think in my head, having these conversations is very normal, is very regular. But I know for so many, it there is still such a stigma. There's so much shame or unknowingness it's not even a word but there's there is a stigma around talking about things we know that there's a stigma around mental health but specifically for mums um and i think that comes down to you know this this idea of um of pride or feeling a sense of shame that maybe you're not doing enough that mum guilt you know mum guilt is something that people talk about that people feel sorry but don't talk about as often but i think for people to understand what postnatal depression is is that there's an idea that postnatal is just after you've had the baby you get depressed where you know some people and this idea of anxiety and and sadness and um, sense of being overwhelmed it can actually start during pregnancy and then it can be exacerbated after you've had the baby and then there's so many different instances where it's it, it Oh, you know, some people say, oh, you're making a mole, uh, a mountain out of a molehill or no, you know, you've just got baby blues. Well, if it goes on long enough, mm. baby blues doesn't just continue. It can actually, you know, you look at it and it's like, oh, no, I've actually got postnatal yeah. depression. So many people that I've spoken to about postnatal depression have not realized that they've had postnatal depression. Yeah. Until I'm after. one of those. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I'm one of those people. So... I didn't experience postnatal depression with Isla. I remember feeling, I remember experiencing the baby blues and it's like every experience after a child is very different. I remember when Isla Ray, like with Ari, I had postnatal depression 100%. I can see that now. But with Isla Ray, when I look back on that, I realized that there was a time when she was about two months old where I had this full on identity crisis. Mm. I remember being like, you know, don't get me wrong, motherhood is the greatest blessing I've ever received. But I was 24 and I'd had this this little girl. She was two months old, light of my life, great, straightforward, easy baby. But I was mm. like, oh, is this, this it? <laughs> Am I just a mum now? And I remember feeling at one point that people were only coming to see me to see her, which was great. Mm. But then I felt like the conversations, you know, weren't about 
life and how that person was and how I was. It was just all about the baby. Mm. And it's funny now because you can't get me to shut up about my, my kids. But I remember having this full-on identity, um, well, this, ch- this challenging time with my identity. I was like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm so much more than a mom. I feel like I'm, I'm still a friend. I'm still a wife. I'm still a sister. I'm still a daughter. I'm still this person completely independent um, and separate from this role as mom. And I didn't really have anyone there to help navigate my way through that. Mm. And it came from, you know, obviously talking about things with John and, and being like, oh, I just, I don't feel like I get to be me as mm. much anymore. And that took a really long time for me to come I think out also of. also you had kids so young too. Like yeah, I, I thought I was grown. I didn't Yeah, I remember grown. you were saying, I'm ready to get married and have kids alone. And yeah. I was like, are you sure? Because you're so... I, I remember so having young. this conversation but with I you. And I was it. like, you're young and you want to do all this stuff. And you're like, nah, I'm ready. I'm going to yeah. do it. And then... And I don't think you could... You know what? I think even if I was um, now, if I was having a baby for the first time now, I still knowing what motherhood is i still think i would have been like wow this is crazy yeah it's a big it's a whole shift your whole center of your life is shifted away from you yeah to another human yeah (laughs) and so then you have to rebalance yourself but in saying that i still um i struggled with that too like no one like a lot of my my close people i felt only called me for an update on Chima. Yeah, an update on Chima. And I'd be like, oh my goodness. Um, even still to this day, one of my my older sister will only call me and she'll be like, the first thing, where's Chima? <laughs> and I'm like, bitch, I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, yeah. Put my nephew on. I'm like, oh my God. So that is, that can be really, I think people need to be mindful too. Yeah. Like, you'll check in on the mum as yeah. well. With with Ari, that was a different experience. There was a lot going on when I had Ari Paul. So we were in between, um, like, houses. So we were staying with my cousin at the time. Shout out to Willie and Case. Um, and they had three kids of their own. And I had had Ari, he was four weeks early. And then nine days after he was born, John moved to Queensland for work. And mm. so, you know, in I did not adjust from going from one child to two very well at all and honestly it wasn't until I Ari was 10 months old and I said to John I need to go back to work and it wasn't until I had gone back to work full-time mind you so John said okay well if you want to go back to work full-time I'll go part-time and I'll look after the kids um and I when I look back at that now I realize that I was so desperate to go back to work because at the time I didn't know but I 100% was in this heavy deep dark pit of depression that I wasn't able to recognize at the time and postnatal depression and this is something that I hope people take away it looks different for everybody so sometimes people assume well postnatal depression means that like they want to hurt themselves they want to hurt their baby mm-hmm. or they don't have an they don't have an attachment or they don't have a connection with their baby mm-hmm. no that's not the case so postnatal depression can be just a heightened sense of um, anxiety for you know different reasons it can be that you're just feeling overwhelmed but the symptoms it can, can just be different. depression yeah you um, can like for me i've been i was a binge eater so i was hiding i was a grown woman hiding food in my cupboard because i was too ashamed to eat out in front of people don't know why i'd look like i'm like oh i really need to unpack that but 
I put on so much weight. I feel like I made Isla Ray grow up real quick because John was in Queensland and she became my pseudo co-parent at two and a half years of age. And I just wasn't coping. I missed John. Like the emotional distress that I felt but didn't express was really hectic. And for anyone that has experienced postnatal, you're, it's so normal to have all of these these emotions, to feel flooded, to feel heavy. Sometimes for, for, I was talking to a really dear friend of mine the other day and even feeling like you're sad but feeling bad that you feel sad and feeling that you shouldn't feel bad for feeling – like all of that, it's mm. like this string effect – and then even feeling guilty for wanting help and then not asking for it. Therefore, it continues to spiral. Mm. Um, and that's where I think this idea of mum shaming mm. can contribute to a depressive state or emotional downer mm. that a woman or mum is feeling when they feel more shame. Yeah. And sometimes it's just in your head and sometimes it's really, really, really not. Yeah. It's, it's like mother group, mum groups can be really helpful and mm-hmm. really good to build like those connections. Yeah. And on the other hand, they can be really toxic, Yeah, <laughs> really toxic, depending on what kind of mothers you have in your group. Yeah. Like I was lucky by the time I was going to mother groups, I was in London and I felt like everyone was really like pretty open, easygoing. No one was, mm. um, no one was like a showy mum and you didn't have to impress anyone. It was just, we, we just were what we were. And I could also just be really open as well because I felt like over there, you know, when it comes to like vaccinations and stuff like that, um, I was able to just be free with talking about my situation. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if I was here in Australia, that would have been, that would not have been the case because here it's such a, crazy subject yeah, to bring super up controversial. Um, whereas in London I w- it was just like oh yeah like cool that's f-. you know no one gave a shit and um, it even met heaps of mums who were like oh yeah I don't either like um, you know for whatever reason and it was not a thing so for me that helped so much but then I hear stories of like mums who are like <laughs> the crazy bitchy ass mums that are out there I'm like <sighs> I've got another friend of mine who is recently had a baby, joined a mum's group, and one of the mums had commented saying, Oh, I don't really I don't really make, take as I don't really make as much effort with her child as you do with your child. And my friend was like, I'm gonna choose not to take <laughs> offence to that because that's your issue, not mine. I dress my my child in the clothes that have been gifted to mm them as well as what I've bought because I wanted them to. So don't like try and clothes shame me with my kids. But you know what's funny is that back when I had Isla, I remember that there was a mum's group photo that had been taken. It was all of us with our kids. Mm. And it was, this is when I had Facebook at the time and I'd been tagged in it, obviously came up. And one of my cousins commented on the photo, bless, and was like, oh my gosh, Isla Ray is just the cutest. Mm. Oh my gosh, one of the mums in the mums group took total offence and was like, that's really, oh, I don't even remember, I'm paraphrasing, but basically was like, um, each child is individually cute. <laughs> and it, was, it full on went into this thing. And I was like, oh. And that, look, um, upon reflection, I look back at that now, I was like, for that parent to get so defensive, something must have really been going on for them to think that 
something family like you know from family to family they don't, obviously don't know any other kids there they were only commenting on the child that they knew but that must have really people triggered something. are really crazy like yeah. the world is full of really nutso people mm-hmm. and so that's why I try and not get offended by by things that happen on yeah. the daily because you have to remember that it's just a um what is it a pro projection of, yeah. of other people's I think, insecurities or life or views. Yeah. Um, I think where it can be tough is especially when it's coming from people that you're close with, that are their family or their close friends. If those people are saying things to you, I think if anything, it your, your sensitivity to what they're saying is, is much higher. So, mm. you know, family members that Oh, can I just say the comparison trap is a killer. I hear mums talk about, oh, um, no, but my baby does this. And it becomes a one-upper. And I, yeah. that's, I think, is so damaging and so detrimental to one another. But also, if your kids can hear you comparing them to other children, mm. it's very damaging for them. Mm. And you've got to remember, kids absorb everything, but they can also interpret things very differently and take things out of context because they're children. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's so many things as women that you have to fight to normalise. Even things as simple as breastfeeding. Mm. Like, you know... There, there's a campaign that still runs. People still hashtag normalize breastfeeding because I'm all for that too. Yeah, and for people to feel shame, a sense of shame for breastfeeding, for nourishing their child, um, just it's I think I, like it's crazy to me. But that's still something even today, in front of you know friends, family that people still get really caught up on and you've got to be super mindful of. Like yeah. I, I, I had heaps of and... comments. I had heaps of comments because I breastfed Chima till he was just over two years old and he was a big boy. Like he, if you looked at him, he people thought he was three or um, they always thought he was – Chima always gets that he's like one or two years older than what he actually is. Um, and so I would always be, be told, oh, like not always, but I'd get comments like, oh, you know, the little, just little remarks and like little face facials at me, like, "Oh, you're still breastfeeding." Can he, if he can grab it, or if he can say the the word, should he really be? Has he got teeth? Should he really be still on the boob? And I'm like, "Yeah, he's a baby. <laughs> should he's he really baby. be? So, should you really be minding your own business?" <laughs> um. So yeah, like I'm all for that normalized breastfeeding because. It's really just that. Like, it needs to be normalised. Feeding a toddler needs to be, on the boob, mm-hmm. needs to be normalised. Yeah. It was a normal thing for thousands of years, and it's only within the last couple of hundred years that it's been not okay in the Western world to breastfeed a child up to the age of, like, four even. Mm. Um, if you look back at, uh, in um, African societies, you've breastfed your baby till at least seven years old, and Asian countries as well because that was the and then they slowly weaned off Mm. and then they didn't really have milk so it's like can we can we just yeah just think about how weird it is that we feed cow's milk to our babies that's weird okay (laughs) and i'm judging (laughs) but even so you know whilst breastfeeding mums are trying to normalize that there are cases that you know i've had friends that have been shamed 
for not breastfeeding at all. So, you know, the, the mm. shoe can always go on the other foot. So breastfeeding mums, if you've chosen to breastfeed exclusively, then that's wonderful. But if you've also chosen to bottle feed your child, that's also great because at the end of the day, you're nourishing your kid. I know Olivia put up a post, I don't I think it was a few years ago, and it was this beautiful photo. I think it was it featured in a magazine and it was of a woman breastfeeding. Mm. It was of of a woman bottle feeding and it was a woman um it was a, I think it, the baby was being fed by a tube because they obviously had a condition that required them to be fed by a tube. And the post basically celebrated that you as a parent, when you're nourishing your child, whatever way that may be, you're nourishing your child, period. Mm. And I think sometimes people can lose sight of those types of things. It's like... Yeah, everyone just needs to mind their own business. Yeah, man. It's nobody's business. People are too inner. Just stay at her. Okay? <laughs> inner everyone's business. It's like, oh, people... Yeah. I can't deal with people. <laughs> I don't do people. This is why I don't do people. Um, but, yeah, I this think is... postnatal depression, people, a lot of the times, a lot of my friends have looked back in retrospect once they're in a better place and been able to be say, oh, yeah, no, I was doing this at the time. I didn't know, but I was actually, I must have had postnatal depression. Yeah. Um, and that's, in my experience, um, more often than not has been the case. Like most women go through it and they don't recognize within the, that time yeah. and they don't seek help within that time because yeah. they're not of they're the oper- mind frame. They're operating out of survival. Mm. And, when and you're, you're too busy sur- too. You're, yeah. you're just trying to be a mom. You're just trying to look after a kid. So you're not even thinking of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not until after when you've finally gotten out of a hole and you're back to being a little bit more yourself that you're like, oh, shit, man, mm. that was happening to me. Yeah. Um, and so it's good to talk about it because when women are going through it, say someone's going through it right now, they could be listening to this going, oh, shit, that's me right now. Yeah. If it, that's, yeah. Like little I things am... like, oh, I'm really struggling today. You know, fatigue, overeating, undereating, um, snapping at your kids. Um, feeling like you need to be alone or feeling like you need to constantly be doing things. All of these types of things could be your coping strategies uh, and not being able to It's just out of the norm for your personality. Yeah. Is what's, um, is what's not so. But yeah, I've got a friend that suffered from postnatal depression throughout all her pregnancies and, um, she's so afraid to fall pregnant again and go through that again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's like, but if you're more aware, you're more able to then try and find coping mechanisms to try and recognize what your behavior is and just be more aware, like you're more aware now. Mm. So you can now find tools to help manage how your mind's going to be. Yeah, 100%. Going. I think once you've experienced something, you learn a little. You learn a little every time you you experience something. So from Ari to Jude, like there's six years between Ari, Paul, and Jude Bow, and a big part of that was because oh, I just wasn't prepared because I knew that the mental struggle for me was. Um, I feel like it. It took me, you know, back ten pegs, and I think the adjustment for me with Judah has been so incredible 
one because both my kids are grown they're so independent Mm. they do they the transition from two to three has been so much simpler for me personally Mm. than what it was going from one to two mostly because I didn't I wasn't prepared and didn't know how to adjust going from having a two and a half going from a toddler Mm. to having a toddler and a newborn Mm. and I did not balance that well Mm. where now my kids are grown I have great communication and don't get me wrong don't get me wrong they still do my head in on the daily and I love them dearly but I'm able to communicate so effectively with them that I don't feel as though my ability to parent and to nurture due to both has at all been impeded by my my responsibilities to my older two Mm. and I'm so much more conscious of if I need to get out of the house or if I find myself feeling overwhelmed or feeling like, oh, I've just been locked indoors or, you know, if Judas had a really bad night, I know what things I can do for myself mm. that make me feel better. Going to the gym has been, a, you know, it's been a blessing for me. There was a day a couple of weeks ago where I was like, I didn't get to the gym in the morning and they the day had been really hectic and I said to Johnny when he got home, I was like, I need to go to the gym. Like, I, I, I have to go. And he had a doctor's appointment, and I had all three kids, and I normally don't take them all. And he said, oh, I've got the doctors. And I said – and he suggested he goes, take them with you, and I'll pick them up when I finish. And so I didn't want to, and I was like, no, nah, don't worry about it. But I knew I needed it, so I took them all in the car, got there, John came, picked them up, and I got home, and I was like, oh, I really needed that. Yeah. But sometimes it's as simple as doing your nails, having a bath, reading a book, yeah. going for a walk. Sorry, but can I just say, taking it back to you, you said um, you kids do your head in on a daily, but you love them. Can we normalize telling, saying that our kids are assholes and that they do our heads in? It's okay. We all know that we love them. We don't have to always say. <laughs> we don't have to always have the disclaimer after we say they do our heads in. But I love them. Like, we know. We love them. Yeah, but sometimes but it's I... a reminder for me to say it out loud verbally. No, but I'm just saying, like, I wish mums we didn't have that thing. Like, we all know we love our kids, but they can be assholes sometimes. I love my they kids that little bit more sometimes when they they're can asleep. Be, <laughs> they can be overwhelming. They can be very annoying. You have to repeat yourself over and over again. And it's like, I feel like I feel like we're always, as mums, we're like, oh, yeah, no, they do my head in. But I love them. Like, I love them. But, like, we know. We know. <laughs> you do we them. always know? But sometimes I'm like, do you I love my kids today? <laughs> no, we know we love them. It's just like, yeah, they can be assholes. So. It's funny. If you ask your kids, do you know that I love you, which I've asked my kids, most of the time they're like, yeah. And it was probably, oh, I reckon, end of last year. I was like, do you feel like I love you? And Ari was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, oh. I was like, oh, why is that? And he goes, I feel like you do most days. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, sometimes when you get cranky when I don't put my shoes on. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Darling, we all have our moments. Mm. Oh, but um, I think... I will, I'm going to say something controversial right now, but... It's not like you. I know that um, for de- when it comes to depression, I think we put a lot of emphasis on the fact that it's out of our control. But Not true. Okay, yeah. Let me finish. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's a lot of emphasis on the fact that depression is out of our control. Like we need to, like it's, 
a chemical imbalance. Yes, it's a chemical imbalance sometimes. Um, and that you need like these outer things outside of yourself to manage it. Granted, yes, sometimes you do need the medication. Sometimes you do need whatever you need. But a lot for me, depression was um, a mindset. And I, I see it as like, no one, I'm in control of my mind. My mind is the most powerful tool, right? And only I can control it. So if I recognize, oh, okay, I'm, I've got, I'm going through depression right now. This is a depressive state that I mean, I'm sad. I'm constantly sad. When I was at that suicidal point of my life, obviously I didn't know at the time I was young. Um, I didn't know what I was going through. I just had no self-worth. I was depressed. As soon as I recognized that though, um, and then you grow, you, you find tools or whatever, but you are in control of your mind. And so all it takes as a grown-up to to um, gain some self-awareness and when you and recognize when you're in that state, that depressive state, to then gain back control. Say to yourself, whether you're lying to yourself in that time, but you have to take control of your mind and then say, okay, I'm feeling like shit right now. This mm. is how I'm feeling right now. Okay, take that and de- and compartmentalize this so that you can pull yourself and you can then find strategies to pull yourself out of that because it's not always just out of your control i know that i've met this one girl that i met in london and she was on antidepressants and she'd been on them for years and she basically was saying to me no i could never get off these like i need these to survive and she kind of had this victim mentality as if to say um like you she kind of was like don't don't judge me. And I wasn't trying to judge her. I wasn't, I was just trying to give her a different perspective. Like, okay, but have you ever tried a different way than what you, what you know? And she was like, no, like, this is what helps me. This is the only way that helps me. And I just, I don't know. I just found it really defeatist. Like, but you've now then decided like, you're not in control of your own mind. Well, there's some people that, so I, I, yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I'm not talking about actual mental... I'm not talking about, like, schizophrenia or a personality disorder. I'm talking about depression. Yeah, but depression is a mental... Yeah, 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 I know. So for some people... And, you know, sometimes people have... um, You know, they've got illnesses that go undiagnosed. And there are certain, um, certain groups of people where medicinal... Um medicinal aids medicinal supports will be forever needed but it doesn't mean that there isn't an opportunity for whatever medicines you're on to be reduced in dosage right from actively pursuing other you know therapeutic supports or things like that i think i i definitely agree that our mind is one of the most powerful um powerful tools but i think that just like all things, having complete control of something, there is always a lapse. So if someone can acknowledge and say, right, I'm going through a very sad and dark period, I now am able to acknowledge it. So I I am in a position to be able to change that, Mm. that often people will be proactive and they're like, right, I'm going to change this. And it might be, well, um, I'm going to get up every morning and meditate and for 20 minutes and I'm going to 
have 40 minutes to myself every morning before anyone else wakes up or before I get about my day. Um, it's similar to that of intentions to eat healthily. You can go five, six days without a hitch and then there could be an influence that knocks you on your ass mm. and then it, it, it is, it's a relapse. So I think there's opportunity for people to um, put a lot of effort and energy into conquering their mindset in acknowledging and then trying to use different tools and seeking out different resources to help strengthen the control of their mind and how they manage their emotions. Mm. But I think that there is always going to be things that make us relapse that sometimes we're not prepared for. And sometimes that can be what tips us over the edge where we, it's like starting all over again. Yeah. Um, so I agree, but I also think that there's, there's, you know, other, other elements to that not always being, um, the case, like for, for a lot of people, I know for me, I'm, I consider myself pretty conscious of, of things, but there are, there are times where things like, you know, take back a few weeks ago when I was in a total funk Yeah, and I knew that I was in a funk and it took me three weeks to get out of it, but that was a conscious effort, but I had to go through my slump yeah, in but, order to be able to pick yeah, myself Yeah, but up. it was an effort, wasn't it? A conscious effort and then you got through it. Yeah. But, but sometimes we're viewing, but, and from an external perspective, sometimes we're view, you know, we could be like, oh, well, you need to help yourself. But some people in the background could have been helping themselves for three weeks at a time and it just seems like they haven't gone anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Did you tune out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to Oh, I'm sorry, you're one sided conversation. I'm all right. Sorry, I tuned out. I was pulling up my undies. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just, yeah, I just feel like sometimes we've got to just. It's definitely know the power of your mind. Yeah, yeah, I know it's the, it's easier said than done, but we are all in control of our own minds. And if you're not in control of that, then then we not know. <laughs> we not know. Um, oh. Pray, pray, people. Um, pray. But yeah, that I mean, postnatal depression. We should definitely be talking about it on the regular as if it's a normal thing to talk about all the time and really like try and normalize the topic so that new mums who are feeling overwhelmed and are going through craziness and even new dads who are looking at their partner maybe and thinking what the hell is going on Mm. can recognize, Oh, I think this is it. And and then come to her with, you know, a conversation about how to help her and help their situation get out of, um, for, no. for any men that are listening, if you at any point have felt as though your partner, the mother of your children, is starting to get real mad with you and resentment feels very real, it's because it probably is and chat with her about it because sometimes even as a new mum, that that pride of wanting to try and do everything, it's like, no, 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 it's okay, I've got it, I don't need your help, we're good. Um Sometimes that is our pride getting in the way mm. and we can project that onto you and be like, well, you're not even helping. Like you're not doing this right or you're not helping me. Yeah. That is a conversation worth having because sometimes it's not necessarily that you aren't being useful. It's actually that we're trying to manage things all on our own, that we've manifested that you're not 
contributing in any way when in fact you probably are so you know little things like that men you are not useless but be prepared to have the tough conversations and yeah i guess yeah hold us accountable let us hold you accountable and mums don't mum shame (sighs) it's it's don't mum shame you bitches Like, for reals, what are we? Mean girls from high school? It's it's insane. Let's show love, compassion, be friendly. We're in it together, man. There's no hood like mamahood. So, is that a wrap? It's a ghetto-ass hood too, mate, just so you know. It is ghetto. Just don't judge me. I'm playing a game on my phone. Talia's like looking at me like, no one can see this, Talia. I'm still talking. Um, but this is why you don't pay attention. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been paying attention. I'm just saying. Yeah, motherhood is a ghetto-ass hood. Be prepared. It's not glamorous. It is the hood. It's dangerous out here. Yeah, here um, with our scrunchies and sweats, yo. Um, but, yeah, I mean – let us know your stories. Hit us up on Insta or on our email, in our DMs, wherever, um, and share with us because we want to know. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for tuning in to our season finale, and we will catch you guys on our next episode, season two, first episode coming in a couple months' time. With the YouTube channel. We love y'all. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to All The Things. You can follow us on Instagram at allthethings.talk. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is you get your podcast fix. We hope you join us next week for conversations on All The Things.